You're listening to Commute, the podcast. Congratulations, you'll be smarter when you get there. What up? Welcome into Commute, the podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Jay. And we are about to take you on a deep dive on three topics that we find interesting, and we're betting that you might just find them interesting, too. We can promise you this. You'll be smarter when you get there. On this edition of Commute. In 2018, a luxury Italian shoe store named Palessi held a grand opening party to debut their new line of expensively priced shoes. The only problem? Palessi didn't exist. We investigate the wild story that is part psychological experiment and part marketing stunt. The fake website that catches real criminals. Sports and energy drinks are a mainstay of athletics and exercise. So where did drinks to replenish your energy come from? We'll go back way farther than you expect to answer the question. All of that on this edition of Commute. Let's get it. So Dave, has been uh, previously established on this show, you do like to shop, particularly you like to online shop. You know, on your bad days, Guilty. on on your good days, you know, uh, just uh, <laughs> everywhere in between. Uh, can you ever remember a time where maybe you bought something and then a few days later, maybe even longer, you looked back and realized like, man, I spent way too much money on that. It was not worth it. I actually, contrary to what you just said, um, am pretty good with money when it comes to big purchases. So yes, I do like to shop, but I, I'm not like kind of willy nilly throwing money out for like things that cost a ton that I'll have buyer's remorse almost immediately about. But that's not to say I, you know, don't stumble from time to time. I am human. The thing that comes to mind first, though, when I was a kid, like middle school, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, necklaces were huge for, for teenage boys. So we're talking like silver or gold necklaces. And so everybody at school had one. And so I went to this little kiosk in the mall called the Piercing Pagoda, and uh, bought their most expensive one, which I think was like 80 bucks, which for a 14-year-old kid, that's a lot of money. Oh, yeah. And so I worked to school and immediately realized that it was super cheap and fake compared to the necklaces that everybody else had. And one of my friends came up to me, and I still think about this. This is a long time ago. One of my friends came up to me, I use friends lightly there, and goes, Come on, Dave, you're better than this, and just rips it. <laughs> it, it he pulls it and it, it breaks off my neck. <laughs> that, that story took so many turns I didn't expect it to take along the way. <laughs> I always think it's interesting to think about how things get their prices and and like how we attach value to certain things. Uh, and Dave, uh, I'm going to tell you a story about value. Uh, in November of 2018, there was this new luxury shoe store that opened in Santa Monica in a shopping mall. And it also housed pretty expensive stores like Louis Vuitton and Barnett's and Michael Kors and Tiffany & Co. And the store that was opening named Palessi was evidently a new line of high-end shoes developed by an Italian designer named Bruno Palessi. And before the store was set to formally open, though, the store hosted a private launch party and invited social media influencers, high fashion icons, and fashionistas to attend the event and have first dibs on any products before the general public could get their hands on them. The only problem, Dave, is this. 
There is no Italian designer named Bruno Palessi. There is no Palessi brand or store. And the store itself was a cover for a different brand, the discount retailer Payless Shoe Source. For some context, though, Dave, let's back up a little bit. In 2018, Payless was not in a great place, financially speaking. The brand had closed hundreds of stores across the country and laid off thousands of employees. A reinvigoration of the brand was needed in a pretty desperate way. And so the company hired a 10-person advertising company in Brooklyn called DCX Growth Accelerator, which already sort of specialized in big media pranks, something that the company itself refers to as culture hacking. So DCX pitched an unorthodox idea to capture the public's attention. Doug Cameron, the founder of DCX, told the Washington Post, we wanted to do something provocative. We wanted to get Payless back into the cultural discourse. So the team went to work first by renting out an expensive location for the store for only six days, which they quickly designed in an over-the-top luxurious fashion, including everything from a giant winged angel statue to gold-painted statues of lions and giraffes. The team hired fake store employees, created a website and fake social media presence, and then began slapping price tags on shoes that were sold in Payless stores that read $400, sometimes even $1,800. The team equipped the entire event with cameras, created their high-profile guest list, and then put on the show. Attendees flooded the party, and I'll quote some of them here, Dave, that were featured on camera. Palessi is just such high-quality fashion, taking your shoe game up to the next level. It's really well-made. It's just stunning, elegant, sophisticated, and versatile. For me to experience this as an Italian designer is amazing. And Dave, the Payless shoes that had been marked up hundreds, even thousands of percent, well, they sold. Attendees filled bags with what they believed to be designer shoes. And when they were taken to the back room to pay, the prank was revealed to their obvious shock. Dave, the prank really points to a reality about the human mind, too. And that's that we're just not capable of discerning the value of the things that we buy. Philip Graves, a consumer behavioral consultant from Britain, told the Washington Post, the way we evaluate things is through associations. If you put wine in a nice bottle, people will like it more. If you package things up to look more premium, people will like it more. If advertising has high production qualities, people will think it's better. Now, Dave, while the stunt itself is just fantastic and the videos of the event, which I encourage you to watch, just reveal this fact of psychology and behavior in a really interesting way. It's important to think, too, about how this sort of marketing stunt pays off for a company like Payless. On one hand, the stunt highlighted what Payless has to offer the typical consumer, and in a way, elevates the product to the same level as expensive designer shoes. But on the other hand, it highlights the problem itself, right? The next time a consumer goes into a Payless store, they'll be going into an ordinary environment with ordinary lighting and seeing ordinary prices. If anything, you could argue that this is an indictment on Payless, right? Because if environment matters so much, does this marketing campaign really change the environment of the stores? Well, not really. But the stunt itself, it's fascinating, not just from a marketing perspective, but on a deeper level psychologically. And it challenges us to think about what we choose to buy and then what influences us to do so. You know, up until this point, when I think about Payless shoes, I think about when I was a kid 
And Payless used to have one of those mirrors that as you move your face up and down, it makes your face get skinny and fat. You know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah, about? Of course. It's like one of those play mirrors. I don't know how similar you and I are in this respect. I would imagine that we're different, but I didn't really like realize that like shoes were part of the outfit until I was probably like 20 years old. So I would just kind of go to a shoe store with my mom at like the beginning of the school year and she'd be like, all right, pick out some shoes. And I just didn't want to be there. So I would just be like, sure, I guess these. And then I'd wear those the whole school year and then just swap them out. And it was when I hit like 20 years old, I was like, oh, like, yeah, I should probably like maybe think about the shoes on my feet and like not wear such lame shoes all the time. Jay, have you ever fallen for something like a scam? Yeah, I mean, I'm not proud of this, but uh, it's taken me a long time in my life to get uh, less gullible. And something like four or five years ago, I had a guy from high school send me a message on uh, Facebook Messenger, and he was just like, hey, uh, Jay, uh, you know, I was just wanting to reach out and see how you were doing, and uh, you know, your family and everything. And, and then his next message, which should have been the red flag, but for some reason it wasn't, was like, yeah, have you ever thought about like um, maybe ways to make extra money on the side? And uh, so, so, and I'm not kidding. My first thought was, yeah, I'd like to make a little bit of extra money. And so, <laughs> and so I responded to him. I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm always looking for, you know, extra way to make money. Uh, at this point, I started talking to my wife about it and she was just kind of like, okay, like, I'm going to have to be real with you on this. Um, this, he's trying to get you into a pyramid scheme. Like, that's just what it is. <laughs> I was like, it was all of a sudden, like my world crashed down. I was like, he doesn't want to be my friend again. He just wants me to be in his pyramid scheme. And you're like, and uh, unfortunately when it did click is when my bank account hit zero. <laughs> he's like, yeah, all I need is 1500 bucks and I'll, I'll triple it. I'll get it right back to you. Uh, well, Jay, there are very serious versions of this kind of thing. Like that, in a way, but like a show we both used to watch, for example, and, you know, maybe we should do a segment on this one day. Actually, wouldn't be a bad idea. A show called To Catch a Predator, where real sexual predators would famously get busted by walking into a kitchen thinking they were meeting their victim, only to be surprised by America's hero, Chris Hansen. And then there are less serious versions of this, like the April Fool's joke I once successfully pulled off. Long story short, I made a fake email address pretending to be the company Best Buy, and I sent my friend an email saying that they had won an iPad from a fake email address that I had created. To claim it, it said all they needed to do was write a three-page, single-spaced essay about why they deserved the iPad. And Jay, she did it. (laughs) Now, evil may be funny, definitely. But Jay, then there are things that go in a different direction than they were perhaps intended to go altogether. Like a proposal at a baseball game where she says no. Or a magic card game that doesn't actually work out. Or like in the case of the website rentahitman.com, where people don't really want your IT services, they want hired murder. Jay, in 2005, a guy by the name of Bob Inns was in an IT class for his California-based business school degree pursuit when he and some buddies decided to utilize the IT skills they were learning to create a business, something that wouldn't be a real business, at least not yet. The thought was that it could possibly be something real for the group after they graduated. The group decided that their skills in IT would translate well into a computer security company, and so off they went. 
They started working on the web page for the business and eventually landed on a tongue-in-cheek name for the IT business, rentahitman.com. Rent as in hire us, Ein Sold People magazine. Hit as in network traffic and men because there were four of us and we were men. We thought it was funny. Well, when the school program ended, the four friends went their separate ways and never actually started the company. Three years later, though, Eins randomly remembered the project and wondered if he could recall the login information for the website, which was still up, by the way, and the associated email address. Well, Jay, he was pleasantly surprised when he found that he did, in fact, remember the login credentials, but he was even more surprised with what he found waiting for him in the email inbox. Jay, the email inbox had about 300 or so unread emails. And a lot of them were not looking for IT help. How much for a hit? One asked. Do you perform asset extraction? Asked another. Then there was even a female out of the UK who wanted to learn the business of murder for hire so that perhaps she could become a hit woman. Jay, this is when it hit him. Eins had accidentally started a fake hitman for hire website that was attracting real criminals. Eins decided to take the side and make it a full parody to see if people would really think that they could hire a hitman. He added fake customer testimonials, fake service awards, and even a more information form that folks could fill out. And slowly but surely, Jay, clients started coming in. Now, when he gets a potential client, he asks them some questions before getting them in touch with a field operative to help them carry out their crime. And those field operatives, Jay, are various police departments and branches of the FBI. Overall, Ein's work has now led to what he estimates as 30 actual arrests of real criminals. <laughs> catching criminals like Helen Kaplan before they act. Kaplan contacted the site in 2010, asking to have three family members killed because she felt they had cheated her out of her inheritance. She provided the police field operatives with names and addresses, all that checked out, and this led to her arrest. She eventually pled guilty and ended up serving jail time for the plot. As for Einstein, he makes really no money from running the site, a site that's still up today, and he sees the roughly 20 hours or so he spends per week maintaining the site as a way he can actively help protect people and inform people about the dangers that lurk in a very complicated digital age. Well, all of this reminds me of one of my favorite gifts that I've ever received, which was actually a birthday gift from you. Uh, you purchased me a Cameo, uh, the website where you, know, you can hire celebrities to personalize a video for you, from Chris Hansen of To Catch a Predator. And uh, in the video, he was sort of pretending to to catch me in some act, uh, which was, you know, me turning 30 or something like that. And uh, yeah, I got that saved on my computer. I watch it all the time. It's fantastic. My favorite part of that gift was, uh, so if you've ever seen the show To Catch a Predator, you know that Chris Hansen, he always has the, the chat transcript printed out. And so he reads it to the, the person when they come in the kitchen. Half the time they're naked when they come <laughs> in the kitchen. So they're just, they're shocked. And so they, as part of reading the chat transcript, he always says what their screen name was. And so since I'm always looking at any opportunity to bring up the fact that you were an Eagle Scout, he, uh, I think I made your, your name on there, Eagle Scout Kid Lover. Was that, <laughs> was that your name? I, I think that's uh, what it was. So he called you that. Yeah. So he called you that in the cameo video. It's like, hello, Jay, or, or should I say, Eagle Scout Kid <laughs> Lover. 
So Dave, you're an active guy. You know, you like to run and you like to be be doing things. Uh, have you ever been into, uh, I know you're into coffee, but you ever, have you ever been into like energy drinks or anything like that? Not into energy drinks, but I am into hydration. <laughs> and so over the course of the last year, I'd say, um, I've been drinking a lot of this electrolyte mix. And so I drink it after I work out, but also just drink it to drink it through the day. And I am not playing. And I know you don't believe this. And half the people I tell this to don't believe this. So I've been drinking this stuff for a year. I've grown an inch. Probably more than half of the people. Um, it's probably, you know, all the people that you tell don't believe you. Uh, so I think it's... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, you, you don't have to believe me. The listeners don't have to believe me. I'm yeah, just telling you, you. You may be the because first... Because of this electrolyte mix, I'm, I've grown yeah, an he's inch. A, he's a medical so. anomaly. He's the first person in history to grow an inch <laughs> at age 35. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's, a, it's a, Doctors are ready, to, lining up to study you. Well, Dave, speaking of energy drinks, we're going to back up a little bit and talk about the first one on archaeological record to ever exist, uh, which is something that I think it's interesting. But what I really think is interesting is like the very small things that people choose to investigate so deeply uh, when they study history. Uh, And so, Dave, in 2014, archaeologists were investigating burial sites of ancient Rome, kept and they kept running into this anomaly that didn't really have an explanation. Uh, Researchers were studying these grave sites of Roman gladiators and studying their bones to determine what their diets looked like. When researchers compared the diets of gladiators to the diets of everyday average Romans, there weren't really too many differences in nitrogen levels in the bones, which suggests that the diets of gladiators, they weren't really that much different from the average person in Rome, a mixture of meat and greens and such with only small variations. But something that kept coming up intrigued researchers. Gladiator bones compared to average Romans had a much higher rate of calcium, like a suspiciously high amount. And what put it on the radar was that it just seemed to happen over and over again. So researchers were finding evidence that gladiators were consuming something really high in calcium, but didn't really have an explanation for what it could be until the discovery of a 2,000-year-old encyclopedia that offered some clues. In some interesting detective work, researchers found an ancient text written by a historian named Pliny the Elder who said, quote, Your hearth should be your medicine chest. Drink lye made from its ashes and you will be cured. One can see how gladiators after combat are helped by drinking this. So this offered researchers a clue that gladiators may have had some sort of drink made for replenishing themselves after a battle, such as like how an athlete today might drink Gatorade. The drink, historians at least speculate, would have been made from plant ash and vinegar and water. And while it doesn't sound very appetizing, at least it would have been very rich in calcium. Now, we do know gladiators were very well looked over by the Roman government. These warriors were mega celebrities of their days, and they fought to the death in front of thousands and and thousands of Romans in the Colosseum, often under the watch of the emperor himself. Gladiators, at least the good ones, had some of the best medical care in the ancient world. And the idea that doctors would look for ways to give these warriors an edge for entertainment value, well, that definitely checks out. Historians began searching for more clues about the mysterious gladiator Gatorade to try to dig deeper on the behind-the-scenes lives that these men lived when they weren't fighting someone to the death in front of spectators. But researchers began getting more and more interested in the 
this gladiator energy drink and digging for more evidence of his existence. In the years since, researchers have uncovered more and more evidence that references the plant ash drink, mostly through just written record of it. Now, you can't necessarily prove it because calcium can be consumed through dairy products, which can't really be traced scientifically in the same way meat and greens can. But to me, Dave, this sort of discovery and then the research that went into it, it just sort of highlights how studying history works and how these small little obsessions will come up in research circles, but then how detailed you have to be to chase a lead, even if it's about something obscure, like an ancient energy drink. But the connections to the past are interesting here too. In the same way somebody going to the gym today may drink a protein shake or an athlete may drink Gatorade, that act just goes back a little farther than maybe you originally thought. You know, part of the problem with energy drinks is the shape of the bottle. So it's like they, they all try to get fancy with how they create the bottle. Like I remember back in the day, Powerade had this really weird bottle that was hard to hold. Like it only came in like 32 ounces. It's like a little kid can't hold that in their hand. Yeah, you'd be trying to grip it, just drop it all over the place. It's like, just use the same size. It's like Coke and Pepsi. They're not changing up what the can's like. Just use the same bottle. <laughs> I mean, I'm getting old. That's the kind of stuff I'm I know. These kids and their energy drinks. Just These keep it. Kids and their energy just keep it drinks. classic, like a good old Coca-Cola. Yeah, just use the same bottle. <laughs> and that's it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review Commute on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast network. We're on social. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can always say what up at our website, commutethepodcast.com. Music for Commute is provided by my main man, Jason Sammons. For Jason, and I'm Dave Traub. We'll see you next week. Yeah, one, I think it was like maybe a, a pair of like Skechers. And uh, they were like, so how much would you pay? These were $3,000. How much would you pay for them? And the lady was like, at least six. <laughs> and then they're like, well, actually, they're Skechers, and they're only $27. <laughs> <laughs> Context matters, you know. She just she just looks disgusted. <laughs>